Welcome, Journeyers, to the Herd is Calling podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. We're so glad that you're along the journey with us. Yeah, the herd is stronger together. So what are we going to talk about today, Victoria? We're doing an Ask Me Anything. We have a Facebook group, Holistic Horsemanship. You're welcome to join. And we have an open AMA question board there. We also do live AMAs with our students pretty often. We thought, let's just go through and grab a few questions from there and make a podcast out of it. These are some really cool questions that were actually really fun to talk about. We had some great conversations around them. So the first one today is a question in reference to signs of connection versus signs of dominance. That's a good one with horses because it's so confusing because we really do use different communication mechanisms with human and horse is so much different than human to human. Right. That's the paradox. It's a lot the same uh, and it's a lot different. Love but that paradox. <laughs> it saves the day every time. But I think where the intersection is our ability to be aware and notice. I think we humans and horses communicate a lot in the same ways. We just have better mechanisms for not communicating the truth. Well, yeah, I could see that. And that's kind of a predator thing. You know, if you're a lion, you got to be sneaky to get to your prey. Exactly. Whereas horses survive by their herd mentality and communicating honestly to each other. Exactly. So that's where body language and energy are the only way that horses communicate. Facial expressions, the movement, these are the modes with which horses communicate. Humans have these big frontal lobes where we get lost in our thoughts and create these stories around why we're doing the thing we're doing. So that is where we can get in the weeds with our horses. Big time. Human and horse brains are almost like two pieces of a puzzle too and how well they work together, which is part of a whole other discussion on partnership. But they have a giant motor cortex. That's part of how they communicate so well through their body. We have a giant frontal cortex. Civilization was built using horse power before automotive engines and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. We really benefited from partnering with horses for their bodies. They really benefited from partnering with us because we learned how to grow, bale, and harvest hay. (laughs) That's one thing. But I'm actually, one of my beliefs is that horses do like to learn different ways to use their bodies. They like to connect with beings. And we offer those two things. When we're connected, we can show them ways of using their body that feel good. When when we do it right, if we're in our integrity as trainers, horses actually, I think, enjoy that. So that's what we offer horses too. Awesome. Beyond just food. Right. (laughs) Which, that's a biggie. Yes. Yeah, no, I love that extra context, though. And the background to this question, too, is this particular horse we're talking about was a wild Mustang who exhibits the traits of what we call a passive leader in the herd. This horse's rider is somewhat new to horsemanship, almost totally new to horsemanship, and struggles with that relationship, that interplay between dominance and connection. And he was honestly confused about this one scenario, and it was as simple as her walking up to Victoria and kind of putting her nose and nudging her a little bit. On horse language, that could go a lot of different ways. So why don't you break that down for us, how that particular scenario was and what made it that way. Even just to back it up just a tiny bit more, I think he has realized that a lot of the behavior that he used to think was just her connecting is actually her dominating him. Oh, good point. And Mm -hmm. because she's a passive leader, she's more Mm -hmm. of a horizontal leader, which is very typical 
people in Mustangs because they've lived in real herd environments, right. real, they're actual wild horses that lived in wild free herds, mm -hmm. you see a more natural herd dynamic in mm -hmm. them. So she, in a very polite, very soft way, was often just letting him know that she was higher in the hierarchy <laughs> of their relationship than he was. So that was a huge light bulb for him. It's like now he's like rethinking everything he yeah. does with her. Which is awesome. The beginner's mind that we talk so much about. And he's having a blast doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was a little startling, a little like wonk, wonk, wonk at first. Like, you mean she's not just like cuddling me or hugging me or like loving me? Like, right. no, she's actually really hurting you around, and, <laughs> you know, making sure that you follow her. And once he wrapped his head around that and realized that that's actually just one way of connection, it's not the only way. And now he needs to start looking at the way he interacts with her from that lens. It's really empowering mm -hmm. for him. It's improved their relationship. So, but that said, now he's a little bit like, well, was that dominance or was that connection? Because it's very subtle at this level. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think the first thing to kind of dissect there is that kind of reach out from a horse is a form of connection. Whether they're checking to see who's the leader in the scenario, whether they're actually taking on the leadership role, whatever it is, it's a form of connection. Those are all variations of connection. So the clue, the trick is how to interpret that connection. Because our frontal lobes need to categorize this connection. They do. And <laughs> we need to be just slightly higher in the hierarchy if our relationships are going to work. Maybe not at yeah. first. Maybe at first we're just more like kind of following the horse, as Tom Dorrance said, and kind of observing and getting to know the horse. But mm. eventually we need the horse to go with us. We become a little higher, even just a little. That's a really powerful point because we do talk a lot about mindfulness and horsemanship and we try to approach horsemanship as a practice and really considering the horse it's natural to think about that and maybe we shouldn't be dominant or maybe this or that or the other right. thing but something we learned from the great Dominique Barbier he just really spelled it out in one of his lectures that in the horse world and in the animal world in general there's always a number one and a number two spot we have to be a number one if we want to connect at all mm -hmm. because we weigh 10 times less than them yeah exactly. and if you're not in that position, the possibility of you getting hurt is very high and maybe unintentional. So I appreciated that because the way he approaches horsemanship really is like an active meditation. And he's so connected with his horses, but he was very clear, like you have to be number one. Mm -hmm. Have to be the leader. And I think it's a great example of the paradox where mm -hmm. two things can be true at once. You know, it doesn't mean that you're domineering and aggressive. In fact, that would be counter to everything that we're saying but it just means claiming that spot that's part of you embracing your role as a leader that your horse can trust because it's not that they're looking for leadership it's not like a hierarchy in a corporation where he's dominating the whole group and they hire and fire at will it's that they depend on that hierarchy for survival because somebody has to be in charge mm -hmm. yeah and they're looking for that and if you're willing to do that in a way that communicates trust and competency they're good with that but somebody 
he has to fill that role. And if you're not going to fill it, then they will. And that's when we get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And think about the best leaders in the world. And even just if we're thinking about humans, the best leaders are good listeners. Absolutely. The best leaders empower the people that they are leading. Yeah. The best leaders are inspirational. The best leaders collaborate and inspire creativity Mm -hmm. and collaboration. So I think in the horse world, the word leader takes on this sort of, for lack of a better, just kind of patriarchal kind of of domination. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it. You see people acting like that with their horses. And that is not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Looking, you know, going back to Brene Brown writes about the power of being a good leader and it has nothing to do with dominance. Yeah. It has everything to do with collaboration and working together. But there does have to be a leader. Somebody does have to set a boundary around who's going to pick and choose how this is going to happen. That's ultimately the great opportunity and great privilege that we're in when we're working with horses. You can step into that and it's really a powerful, empowering, wonderful thing to be able to do. So what what was this horse doing that particular day? So he finished riding her and, and he got off and we were just talking about what had happened and the horse slowly one step pause another step very carefully very intentionally approached me got to a certain point necks and heads length or a little bit more away from me and stopped and stretched her neck and her nose out to me and reached out and lightly touched me with her nose Mm -hmm. our students question was was that dominance or was that connection we're like looking at all this stuff as connection but what he was meaning was she just sort of saying hi Mm -hmm. the questions that you ask yourself there's a couple how do you know the difference I didn't feel at all like there's a gut feeling you have when somebody's pushing on you when he's breached your personal boundary bubble yeah when you feel like you kind of need to move out of it when it's uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. that's that gut feeling that many of us tune out because our culture sort of demands it working with horses creates the opportunity to really cultivate that gut feeling mm-hmm. so that was number one the the tone with which she approached me was so gentle so soft so sort of questioning like is, mm-hmm. is this okay and is this <laughs> right. okay that there was no breach of my personal space so that's the first question i ask it's like just how does it feel okay and it felt lovely it felt really nice. Mm -hmm. The second question I ask myself is, did I move my feet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's a real practical, actionable thing that you can keep an eye Mm -hmm. on. With horse, so much comes down to the feet. Yes. Who's moving who? Whose feet are moving in response to whose feet that are moving. Exactly. (laughs) And it might be very subtle. Yes. It's a perfect example. Had you, had she started to do that and you just kind of backed up, that would have reestablished the hierarchy immediately. Just that one little thing. But you didn't move and you allowed her in at the same time, which actually built up your position as a healthy leader. She was Mm -hmm. just checking. And in that boundary helped her feel more safe and secure, too. She's like, okay, I thought so. I thought you were in charge here. Just checking. So glad. Now I'm going to take a nap. I would imagine on the inverse side, too, had you kind of thought, oh, she's dominating me and tried to shoo her away. She would have kind of thought, this one is kind of loco. It's a little out of control. They're not really a leader I can trust. You know? A hundred percent. Exactly. It works both ways. And Mm -hmm. you see that a lot with people who are fearful, maybe just 
just a little too dominant or a little too attached. Do you have any final points on that dominance versus connection question? No. Okay, moving on to another question. It was when Kaylin was working with Diamond in the round pin, you talked about Diamond showing joy. What do you think of the top five signals from a horse that it's happy and having fun? This was a horse that was in one of our clinics. That's right. It was actually a journey clinic. Really dedicated and talented rider. Great little horse. But a little on the more shut down side of the spectrum. Exactly. This horse is really neat little horse, but tends to be pretty stoic about the way she mm-hmm. interacts with humans. Yeah, it doesn't show a lot of emotion. And we uh-huh. don't know why. We don't know the history so much. They have only had her for a short while. We were using the round pen exercises as a way to develop a little more connection between the horse and the student. Mm. A little more spark, a little bit more energy, like it was connected. Not just the horse is trotting and now loping because the student flicks the whip and kisses. Like there's an actual conversation happening. That's what we want it to look like. So the question is, what are the top five signals from a horse that it's happy and having fun? That was memorable in the clinic because this horse, because of the exercise you had him doing, it was like the layers of the onion started to get pulled back. And all of a sudden she like totally transformed and started showing this kind of incredible, playful, happy personality. You could see her inner light kind of coming out where it had been pretty dull. You had made a comment about joy. So the question is, what what made you think that? What are the top five signs? Let's see. I think the first one was just her gates got bouncier. There was more lift and play. Mm -hmm. The bouncier and the more impulsion. They look joyful. Yeah. It's kind Mm -hmm. of intuitive in that way. That's how I feel when I see her, too. Mm -hmm. When she's moving like that. Before, she was just sort of going through the motions. Kind of just doing. Kind of head down, doing the work. Just like, let me just do my job and this will be over soon. All of a sudden, her gates got bouncier. There was a little spring in her step and it looked like she was having fun in that movement. The second one is one of my favorites, the buck and fart combo. That's what I do when I'm feeling joyful. (laughs) (laughs) The buck and fart combo, we all know it, whether it's our husbands or our horses. It's like there's this moment of... Full embodiment. Don't care who's watching (laughs) or what's happening. You're just moving your body because you feel your body. It's a horse thing. And it's a uniquely horse thing, too. Like, you you see it. You're so relaxed and it's so open that you fart. when back when I was apprenticing, a lot of times we didn't get bucked off those young horses. We got farted off is what we would say. (laughs) And so it wasn't that the horse like bucked us off because they were rank or wanted Mm -hmm. to unload us. They were just fresh and Mm -hmm. got farted off. And that's a good thing in the right scenario. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily enjoy that when we're on the horses. That's why working in the round pen and on the ground sort of creates a space that we can allow the horse to express themselves in that way without Mm -hmm. being in too much danger. Mm-hmm. Nice. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So, yeah. the number three, you had on the bit at Liberty. So, this is 
like one. after the buck and fart, the horse actually becomes in frame, like gets on the bit, becomes in that vertical frame as if even at liberty with no bridle, no halter, loose in the round pen or being lunged, they become vertical in that framed collected pin. We go really into depth with that in the journey. We should probably do a podcast just on like being on the bit mm-hmm. and biomechanics and what that means. Mm-hmm. The name's a little elusive for people who aren't familiar with the term because you really think it's all about a bit, but it's really not actually. It's really just them getting in a position where they're using all the force that's available in their body is another way to look at it. It's kind of like an optimum biomechanics. They're exactly. using all their power that's in their body. It's really neat to see. And horses do it when they're playing. Mm-hmm. They do it when they're grazing. I mean, it's, right. it's a natural frame for them and it means that they are not in brace or in tension. It means that they are focused. It means that their body, like you said it so beautifully, all the faculties of their body, all the power, all the impulsion, all the beauty is at their disposal, right there, ready each step. That's dressage. That's the basis of more elevated riding is being able to harness that beauty, that power, while we're riding them. Yeah, if you've ever gotten done with like a yoga class and when you walk out, you just kind of have an extra spring to your step. That would kind of be like our version of being on the bit. It's a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's a lifting of the spine, a lengthening of the spine in the horse. Mm. They're using their core. Their hindquarters are engaged. They've engaged their core and their hindquarters to the extent that their limbs are very light and loose Mm. and flexible and movable and you know those of you who have felt it when you're riding them it's the most wonderful feeling when you see a horse doing that on their own in the pasture in the round pen whatever it's the most beautiful way they move so number four is soft eyes moving ears this is all of the things that we're talking about plus the horse is staying very soft in their expression Mm. eyes are soft they're lightly blinking you know when a horse is in tension or in brace or is afraid or is shut down they get what's called a hard eye their eyes kind of almost even look smaller the skin around their eyes their eyelids and their face are around their eyes is tight. Mm-hmm. So when you see blinking, when you see large, soft, liquidy eyes, when you see wrinkles around their eyes, that's a soft expression. That means the horse is not bracing. It's not shut down. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Nice. Let's see. What was the last one? Last one was seeking connection. What does that look like? Going back to the Tom Doran's quote, I think we said mm. it in the last couple of podcasts. The first we go with the horse, then mm. the horse goes with us, then we go together. That moment when you've been going with a horse and they offer to go with you, that's a moment of joy. That's wow. a moment of softness. That's a moment of lightness. That's connection. Kind of openness, trust, all of that. In this example, going with the horse is giving them the freedom to be themselves in the round pen. Of course, that's preceded by making sure they have all the safety, comfort, and care they need to even be able to get to the round pen and feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then they are able to do that in the round pen which is surprising how many people have a misconception about what round pens are for. Some people really just use them to actually run their horse out or make them tired. And it's a bummer because that's a big missed opportunity. In this case, we actually encouraged her to just be herself. And like you said, she showed some curiosity. She showed some willingness to connect with Kaylin at that moment. And that's an opportunity for the horse to go with her. And then, of course, the third part of the 
Tom Doran's quote is in they go together. So a horse doesn't connect if they're not feeling relaxed, if they're not feeling kind of seen and appreciated. Mm. They're not going to connect. I mean, there you go. That's they, really what this is designed to do. It's letting them be themselves. And then you're witnessing that and are seeing you witness that. Totally beautiful. Mm -hmm. So last question is what are your top five things that add marbles to the jar? And more importantly, top five that take them out of the jar. This is something we could literally do a whole episode on, but the jar in this context refers to Brene Brown's trust teaching analogy. You want to explain that for us? Well, the marble jar is a metaphor for how you build trust. The thesis behind it is that trust is built in small daily interactions, not these big sweeping gestures or moments. That's the, the marbles. One little marble at a time, your jar becomes full. That's the trust. I love that analogy because mm -hmm. I think it, it fits beautifully with horses because I think that's how we build trust with our horses. Yep. It's in those moment to moment interactions, in showing up, it's in encouraging our horse to show up. In this question, what are the, what is it, the top five? Top five ways? to put them in. And he also asked top five that would remove marbles from the trust jar. So you have loving kindness as number one, having loving kindness in your heart because horses speak with energy and that's a heart energy. If we go back to our sciencey stuff on the heart math phenomenon, there's an energetic field that's happening that we are are connected to and our horses connect to us through that it's called the horse field the horse field yeah yes mm -hmm. is that what it's called that's what we call that's it. that's what we call mm -hmm. it that's what i thought yeah I, we call it the horse field like the force like in dark yeah, star like, wars like the force but yeah. It's the horse field. It's the horse field. And it's a, it's a thing. And so that's number one. That's just that sort of tenderness, approaching everything mm -hmm. in a loving way. And maybe the mo more practical application of that is just like giving your horse the benefit of the doubt in situations. Mm. Okay. Then you go right into mindfulness, number two. That's, yeah. you know, the crux of everything that we talk about. It's just being present, being aware, not being attached to what our thought processes are around situations or the stories that we've created around mm -hmm. and situations, accepting things without judgment. That's probably the most important tool working with horses. Yeah. Mindfulness sums it all up for us. We say my horse journey where mindfulness and horsemanship meet. Booyah. <laughs> Number three, your true self absent of ego and judgment. Oh yeah. I like that. This is the showing up thing. Let your horse see you. Like You don't need the armor. Take the armor off. Lay it down. It's heavy. Your horse appreciates seeing the real you. Even if you think you need it in your day-to-day -day life or at work or whatever, you don't need it when you're with your horse. So laying that down, that just creates a level of congruency in your body and your spirit and your mind. So what you do with your horse will feel congruent to them and they will respond. Yeah, I love that. You practice what you preach. You do what you say. That's how you build trust. Three is curiosity. This is where just reframing thing that starts to go wrong through a curiosity frame, like reframing with a curiosity frame. Allow myself to introduce myself. It's it, like it's the beginner's mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, being it's being curious. curious. Don't have investigate. assumptions. Right. Looking at 
anything that goes wrong as not a failure, but a sort of data rich situation right. which you can learn from. Mm -hmm. That okay. helps your horse feel safe with you. Then we have listen to your horse and attune to what they're saying and how they're saying it. This goes back a little bit to mindfulness because in order to listen to your horse, you have to observe your horse because mm. they don't say much with verbal sounds. You're able to communicate to the horse that you understand them when you tune into their level and how they communicate with energy, face expressions, body language. What that does is it allows you to see the world through their lens. So you start to see the world the way your horse sees it. And when you do that, you start to look at the world differently. You start to look at your horse's experience differently. You have empathy for what they might be going through. You can relate a little bit. You're like, whoa, I get why you might be feeling anxious about getting into the horse trailer right now. Because when I look at it through the lens of your experience, horse, your being the horse, mm -hmm. I all of a sudden understand what a big deal it is. And then that can create me approaching, asking you to get in the trailer in a different way that's more empathetic, that's more tuned in. And that creates trust. And I think that leads perfectly into the last one, convey that you indeed trust your horse. You've got to trust your horse in order for your tr horse to trust you. Yeah, we like to say trust is a two-way street. Most people just think the horses should trust us, but we're not actually willing to trust the horse. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, it's energy. It all goes back to energy. Intention, Intention. about what you're doing. But yeah, allowing your horse to be themselves, seeing the world through your horse's perspective is a way to show your horse that you trust them. When you show your horse that you trust them, there's a reciprocity that'll happen. He was asking what takes the marbles out. Yeah, and you answer that by saying the lack of awareness and in the absence of clear intentions. From a horse's perspective, indifference and unconsciousness are dangerous. They're maybe the most dangerous. Because if you don't know where your feet are as the human. You might get stepped on. Yeah. If you don't know what your body's doing, all of a sudden you've become sort of the weak link in the herd. Right. You've become you've become a liability in that horse's ability to stay safe. We're not talking about a roof over their head. We're talking about like safe from dying. Mm. When they feel unsafe, they feel like they could die. It's like that big of a deal. Hmm. And yeah. one of the ways you could get yourself in a situation where you could die as a horse is not being aware and attuned to your surroundings. When we show up and say, hey horse, I'm here, but it's very clear that we are not paying attention and we are not being present, that's dangerous. Okay, I think that answers that. We're just gonna finish off with one last one question. More question. Yeah, it's a really serious one. It's probably tough to get into because we already went over time a bit, but so serious question. Are unicorns real? <laughs> I believe. I gotta believe. As do I. On that note, thank you for joining us on our podcast. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the horse be with you. Bye. Adorable.